With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Made in America True Blue LA podcast, the freshest podcast on the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers are 35-18, and 18, head by seven games in the National League Wild Wild West, as we record this on May 27th, Memorial Day. With me, as always, I am joined by bad boy Eric Steven. I have to say that intro went by without a hitch. <laughs> you ruined one of my next jokes. I'm not happy about that. So, Eric, I have a question. Before we talk about baseball, before we talk about Cody Belger. I do have one question for you on this Memorial Day. Sure. Is it your mm-hmm. favorite federal holiday? Oh, wow. What a question. Um, I guess I have a, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, it, like I was trying to think, like I my normal days off are Monday, Tuesday. So Monday holidays are like just normal. Like they don't really matter as much to me. I'm really anymore. partial. Um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Well, the ones that are on a set date, I'm partial to because you get that random day off. You never know when it'll be. So Independence Day is actually my favorite. Nice. I I should have seen that coming. Uh, In all seriousness, though, it is a sweet holiday, like, because there's something um, there's something weird. Like if it's a Wednesday holiday, right, If, if like you're in a normal like Monday through Friday job. And then, so your week, either your week gets broken up where it's like, 
uh, you have Monday, Tuesday, then off day, then Thursday, Friday, then the weekend, or you, you utilize like uh, just a couple vacation days or one or two, and then you have like a five or six day weekend or something. So, uh, yeah, pretty solid. So, so it, it I agree. Get, it I like gives you it. a great start in the pursuit of happiness for the week. <laughs> All right, I'm yeah. out. I, I literally have none left. We yeah. So uh, I guess now that I'm done with Will Smith jokes, uh, Cody Bellinger update. You got one for us. Sure. Uh, so Cody Bellinger, um, he is uh, in a horrible, horrible slump right now. Um, he uh, at the moment uh, he kind of you know he finally dipped below 400 and possibly you know for good uh, this last week. He's hitting a mere 386 now, so it's it's almost not even worth mentioning anymore because he's barely doing anything, only hitting 386 on the season. Um, but looking, so the Dodgers have played 53 games uh, back when I was doing the daily grind on uh, True Blue LA. One of my sort of favorite posts to do was the season in thirds, uh, and so twice a year, and then at the end also. Um, I break look look at each each fifty four game stretch of the season, you know, just to see who's hot, who's not at, at certain stretches. And so we're one game shy this year of one third of the Dodgers season. So very simple pace stuff right now. Basically, you just multiply it by three, uh, or you know, almost uh, after Monday's game, it'll be exactly multiplied by three. But uh, Cody Bellinger at the moment uh, on pace for fifty five home runs uh, and one hundred forty seven RBI. So. Uh, the one note I will add to Bellinger, he's also on pace for 21 steals. Um, and can you name, do you know how many members there are of the 50-20 club? 50 homes, 20 stolen bases <laughs> yeah. in a season. Uh, if you just had to guess the number, like you don't have to know two? the players, but if you know, if you want to guess a player, fine. But how many players would you say? Two? It's not, it's not a, it's not a large number. Yeah. Your guess is two? Yeah. Okay, it's it's actually four. Okay. Do you have do you have any idea who any of those four members might be? Barry's the first name that comes to mind. Nope. He uh, he did that switch thing, right? Where he did like a four. He has a forty forty, right? Yeah, but uh, but, but he also he didn't do the fifty home run thing. Early on, he was done stealing. He he was thirty he was thirty fifty. Um, but yeah, then he. Uh, he never and like his only fifty home run season was his seventy three home run season, so like um, <laughs> he hit a bunch of he had a bunch of forties. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, so he he was not one. Um, Ken Griffey, Junior. Ken Griffey is yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, no, yeah, no, it was he he is one. Uh, Nineteen ninety eight, uh, the great uh, McGuire sets a home run chase in the National League. Griffey was busy hitting 56 home runs in the American League, and he stole exactly 20 bases. He is the third uh, member of the 50-20 club. Any any other guesses? I am going to pass and let you tell me here and out, because I would oh, just be okay. guessing names at this point. So the first one, uh, as you might, might guess, like just in general, um, uh, Willie Mays, 1955, uh, 51 home runs, 24 steals. Mm -hmm. uh, he has, he's tied for the most stolen bases in the 50-20 club uh, with someone later. Um, the next one is someone I did not expect anyone to guess, uh, unless you were just had it out of the blue. Brady Anderson, uh, in his very fluke season where he 
uh, barely hit home runs in his career, except, oh, he hit 50 in 1996, um, <laughs> and uh, he stole 21 bases. Um, and then the last member was A-Rod in 2007 with the Yankees, so a little bit actually later in his career, mm. uh, relatively. 54 home runs, uh, 24 uh, stolen bases. He won the MVP that year. So, yeah, that's the 50-20 club. And we'll be adding a fifth name. Well, I mean, look, he he, he might do it. We'll see. Not the... uh, So he... I looked it up this week, short week, uh, summer of the last week, where Dodgers only played five games. Still, his slumping OPS is a, a... 836, a very healthy 836. Not the Dodger hitter yeah. of the week. Who would you give Dodger hitter of the week to? So, uh, yeah, imagine having an 836 OPS and that being like one of your worst weeks of the year, possibly <laughs> the worst week. Like that's that's how good of a season Bellinger's had. Um, so we're back to Jock Peterson is in the middle of another week in review batter of the week controversy. Um, as you might recall, uh, the very shortened um, – uh, first week of the season, which was four games, and the Dodgers sort of went off on the Diamondbacks. Um, I gave the um, batter of the week to Jock Peterson. I believe he had slightly higher on base, slightly higher slugging than Cody Bellinger. And again, it's talking four games, so it's not really whatever. Um, and then you, you, you know, playfully chastised me on the on the podcast, saying I should have went with Bellinger. Uh, Liz Islas, our site editor at True Blue LA, said she picked the series player. The the series was Cody Bellinger, so everyone was against me in this. And then it and then all Cody Bellinger did was hit like a thousand the next like six weeks or whatever. Uh, this week, uh, Jack Peterson another excellent week. He, he was eight for sixteen. He uh, had four extra base hits. He led the team in RBIs. He led the team in OPS. He slugged like nine hundred. And I gave the batter of the week to Justin Turner. <laughs> so um, Justin Turner, he was nine for 15. So while Peterson hit 500, uh, Turner hit 600. Turner had the, the signature day, which was Sunday when he was five for five with a walk. He set uh, career highs and hits and times on base in those in that game. Um, Peterson, uh, he, he had a... Uh, hit uh, 600 and so his on-base percentage was uh, over 600 his slugging percentage was also um he didn't slug as high as jock though so like i could see anyone wanting to pick jock but i, I thought turner had the um the higher profile week and plus i just wanted to write about him a little more so that's you know call it unfair call it what you will but that just turns my guy on that um last week alone uh so you mentioned the dodgers had a five game week um turner was I forgot exactly what happened. He got hit um, or slightly hurt at one of the games, but it wasn't to the point where, like, he needed – or maybe that was last week, I guess. And they just wanted to rest him, so he didn't play on Saturday. So he only had a four-game week. So they had two team off days, plus he had And even then, three and a half. He got taken out early in the, the oh, route, right. right? Yeah, exactly. Or wait, which route? <laughs> well, fair. <laughs> right. Um, so – but just to show you how hot of a week Turner had – so he began the season, or the he began the week. He was hitting 279. Um, oh, I have the wrong stats in front of me. All I know, he he raised his OPS 42 points in this in four games. So that's how hot he was. Um, if you look at it, he's been hot like all of May, pretty much. Remember, uh, he didn't have a home run until the final game of April. 
Um, and then he homered then. And then so at the end of April, he was hitting uh, 279, 379, 337. Right now on the season, he's hitting 304, 396, 444. You know, possibly a lower slugging percentage than we're used to from Turner, but just that's like a very good um, offensive performance on the whole season now. And he's done that by being absolutely red hot in May. Let's talk about the Dodgers offense in general. <clears throat> uh, you hinted at it at which route they just went off this week, especially against the Pirates. Uh, it's been weird. Like, they, so they um, they swept the season series. They're already done with the Pirates. They beat them uh, earlier in the year in LA three games, and they they beat them uh, three games this weekend. They scored uh, what was it, twenty eight runs in the three games. So like their offense was just clicking on all cylinders helped them to have a four in one week, but uh, they won 10 straight against the Pirates uh, dating back to last year. Since the start of 2017, they're 18 and two against the Pirates. And then uh, one of those, the first of those losses in 2017 was the game that Rich Hill had a no hitter into the 10th and then they lost on a walk-off. So the, like the Dodgers have absolutely blistered the Pirates uh, the last three years. And they, they've outscored them this, they outscored them this year, 44 to 20. So it's been a it's been a romp, um, and uh, they don't have, they don't get to play the Pirates anymore. So it's they their record they they're not going to be able to inflate their record anymore this year on them. On the other side of the ball, we have pitching. Do you want to start with the good the good side or the bad side? Uh, let's let's do the good first. Okay, so starters. Let's talk about the starters. This yeah, has been so... this has been the base. You could copy and paste your show notes for most weeks over the last what two years maybe three on starting pitching good offense good bullpen less good right yeah uh we talked about kenta maeda getting the he took the the injured list bullet uh because of the schedule and he was miraculously healed in time to be activated on his very first day eligible on sunday and he, uh, the Do- that was another route. The Dodgers blew it open in the sixth inning, the top of the sixth. Um, and in doing so, like they could have kept Maeda in. He ended up pitching just five innings, just five innings, I'm saying, because that actually snapped a streak of 12 straight games um, where Dodgers starters won at least six innings. Like it doesn't sound like a lot, but like they, they hadn't done that since 2005. Um, so, like, it, it just goes to show you, like, every day they're getting, like, a quality performance from the starting pitcher um, and taking them deep into the games, and it helps them, like, uh, lessen the pressure on the yeah. bullpen, I guess. Hide and, the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, so it's been – they've been able to um, sort of work around it, I guess. So, clearly, this bullpen is not – it's not the star of the show. It's not very good. How bad is it? Is this something we need to be – does this have to be fixed? Could the Dodgers continue to hide it in some way and it's not the end of the world? How bad do you think this is? Yeah, it's one of these things where they're, they're going to have to do something at some okay. point, like either in a di- like they're just going to have to probably add trade someone or add someone. Uh, so just off the off the top, um, they are uh, 22nd in Major League Baseball in ERA 461 as a bullpen. Um uh, they they've been especially bad like in like tight situations, which is like the worst thing you could do as a bullpen because that's those are the critical times. Um, you know when runners are in scoring position, when games are close, that kind of thing. 
um, uh, Dodgers relievers, um, they've allowed 40% of inherited runners to score. The league average uh, league-wide is is just under 31%. So it's bad. Only the Nationals, uh, who have like a seven bullpen ERA, have been just terrible. They're at 45%. And the Pirates, who are also bad, they're at 44%. Those are the only teams worse at allowing inherited runners to score. Um, in May, it's been especially bad. The Dodgers have been at forty, just over 42%. Uh, like, I guess they're only um, – Weirdly, in May, um, there's only been four relievers who have inherited any runners at all. Um, Baez has been relatively good. Or, you know, he, he inherited seven runners, two scored. That's normal. Dylan Floro inherited seven runners, three scored. All of those, I believe, were in one fell swoop, the grand slam he gave up. Um, uh, Scott Alexander, who's been more of a loogie late, lately, but he, he's been getting more ground balls of late. He uh, eight inherited runners this month, four have scored, not good. And Yemi Garcia, who really hasn't pitched in high leverage at all, but four inherited runners, two scored. So um, they're not doing well in that. But so the but the key part on the season to me, I was looking at run. It's hard to get to um, get break down runners in scoring position by like starter and relievers. So you have to kind of go through it a little bit. And I did that. Um, so on the season. Uh, Dodgers relievers uh, in runners in scoring position situations, opposing hitters are hitting 274, 362, 508. So they're basically like an uh, nearly an all-star level hitter uh, hitting against the Dodger bullpen and runners in scoring position. Um, if you look, the team as a whole has been okay with that uh, in runners in scoring position, but um, the start look at it's because of the starters. <laughs> um, starters in those situations. 173, 255 on base, 353 slugging. So uh, the starters, when when the times are tough, they're like not not allowing, you know, uh, hits basically with runners in scoring position. They're not allowing the big inning, that kind of thing. Whereas the relievers have been very prone to do that, and we saw that like this last week. They, I mean, they were four and one, so it was it was pretty good overall as a week. They had the one sort of disaster inning in the game they lost. They had a seven run inning. Uh, against uh, Tampa Bay, or maybe, I forgot, maybe it was seven runs overall. I don't remember exactly how that game went, but it was Caleb Ferguson was bad, Dylan Floro was bad, um, and then um, also uh, Caleb Ferguson again was bad on Sunday in a game that was a blowout, so it was more like he just made the game closer than it should have been rather than um, like giving up a lead. But like Caleb Ferguson was one of the Dodgers' like better relievers last year. This year he's been pretty bad um he also was hurt for part of that so maybe that's contributing to it i don't know so it's a problem right now but uh as far as solutions like um i don't know like the pedro Baez has been basically there you know it's it basically been like killing Jan- right as you were about to say that pedro Baez has been Kenley Jansen, uh, the recording broke down which i assume Kenley has invaded the internet and has does not want you to say that. So maybe you should phrase it a little differently. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, Baez has been one of their, their better pitchers in the bullpen. There you go. And, he, he's and then like, that. But even then, like this week, right, like he got he got hit directly in the knee uh, by a 103-mile-an-hour line drive and, like, had to be helped off the field. I thought for sure he was going to hit the disabled list. He ended up pitching by the weekend. 
But that was like the Dodgers like can't afford to lose basically like Baez or really Flora at this point. Like they need all the help they can get down there. Um, it certainly helped. They got um, we uh, Julio Urias back. Uh, I know it sort of happened uh, quickly after we recorded last week. They in a very rare thing with the with domestic violence um, sort of investigations. Uh, he was on administrative leave. And then was reinstated. So that, uh, to my knowledge, I was looking up the, the previous um, um, suspensions. Like those almost, a lot of those happened like during the off season, or at least the investigation did. So a lot of the administrative leave time was like uh, inconsequential to actual games. But uh, like Roberto Osuna was in season. Addison Russell was in season. Um, they had administrative leave and basically until the suspension was given. So the... The fact that Urias was reinstated is like is like part of the story, I think. But we we still have no. I don't yeah, know how that's going to end weird. up. It's it's yeah. He came into the game on Saturday, and it's just awkward because right. it's it is part of the story. Absolutely, I mean, it's certainly significant of something. But is it lack of evidence? Is it is it is it just complete? the eyewitnesses and the police officer's interpretation of what they said was surveillance video was wrong. I, I don't feel that much better watching it. I know I saw a lot of really good um, tweets from Dodger Twitter over the weekend, just talking about how kind of this, how uncomfortable it is still, yeah. even though we know it feels like we know more, but we know we don't. Yeah. It's certainly not something where, it's not like, oh, Yuri's is back. Everyone, like, oh, this situation's over. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. It's certainly not that. Uh, but I just wanted to point out, like, you know, we talked about earlier in the year when when the starters sort of stabilized and Rich Hill and, and Kershaw came off the DL, uh, that would allow, like, Stripling and Urias to the bullpen. It would stabilize that, and it kind of did for a little bit. Uh, but now, sort of, you know, with Urias back in the bullpen for – I don't know how long, just from a baseball standpoint, like it gives them one of their better pitchers. So from that standpoint, that should help. I think the bullpen, the other stuff though, is like, um, you know, we talked Tony Sangrani when he was healthy, the last few years has been one of their best relievers, but he's no, nowhere near healthy. He was on a rehab assignment with OKC. Uh, and then they shut him down. He had shoulder issues uh, last week. So, He's kind of up in the air now too. Like it's like, is he ever, is he going to pitch this year? Who knows? Um, so that's an issue. The you know so the I like we mentioned this trade targets that kind of thing. They're gonna they're gonna certainly get relievers. They're gonna try to get relievers in trade. The the big name out there obviously is Craig Kimbrell, still a free agent, but it's getting to the point where it's it's like getting close to a decision now because um, the draft actually is next Monday, and I believe. Um, anytime after Sunday, or maybe it's Sundays included, I'm not sure, uh, is when you could sign someone without having to forfeit a draft pick. So, like, it becomes too late at some point because there's no – the draft has already been sort of set. Um, so, basically, by next week, Kimbrell will be able to sign without penalty of that. Uh, so, so his that name was... keeps coming up with the Dodgers. Is it purely hope that's fueling that rumor, or is there Do... – has there been anything in the tea leaves that the Dodgers are interested in willing to join Kenley Jansen, Kenley Jensen, you know, there's a lot of pride on the line with having the closer title. Right. Uh, there's, that's a lot of money to dedicate to two relievers, 
three, if you'd count Joe Kelly. Um, mm. Is this a realistic thing that they might do, or are we just being getting our hope ahead of us? I, it's 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 probably more. Uh, I don't think the Dodgers are the favorites. Let's say that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it is certainly hope based. And you're right. Like, uh, I know Kenley like wants to close, and you wonder if they could sign Kimbrel without like the guarantee of being a closer. And they, I'm sure that they'd have to work it out. But and you know, money talks in that case. So uh, if hey, if you want to, it's not like if he's not closer, he's not going to be good and like if he signs like a one-year deal and he could be a free agent again like um he it's not like teams are going to be like well he didn't close games last year i don't know how he does in those situations so uh i don't think it's that big of an impediment um it sure seems like the braves who are also contending and he's certainly pitched there before they seem like a team that would be like more likely to sign him than the dodgers but just saying you have a pretty large chip out there uh in in kimbrell so i just wanted to point that out I wanted to point out also Joe Kelly. He went on bereavement leave um, over the weekend, so he missed the Pittsburgh series. Um, but I was looking up his numbers because he still has the sort of – he's been sort of the poster boy for the Dodgers' bad relief this year, and, and rightfully so. Um, he has a 770-90 RA in 17 games. Uh, I looked at his individual innings. So he, 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 he pitched – or I'm sorry, he started 18 different innings this year. Um only two of those have been one, two, three innings. And uh, April 16th against the Reds, May 8th against the Braves. In both of those games, he entered the game up five. So he's basically pitched like zero leverage this, like most of this month. Um, his last four outings were when he entered, it was up five, down six, up six, and down four. So like they're not putting him in any games that matter right now. And you can afford to have a guy like that where you're trying to work out kinks and throw, you know, nurse him back in. But it seems like the Dodgers with, with him, Yimi Garcia and Ferguson have three and that's just, you know, eventually the starters are going to have a bad week and then, you yeah, know, sort of this yeah. house of cards falls apart. Yeah. And that's, that's where, that's where these, this starts to snowball, right? Like they had that, that week when they lost six straight where like where you got hurt and then the starters weren't going deep at all. Uh, and then the bullpen was taxed, and so it sort of feeds on itself. But you're right. Like, they're, the starters have been able to sort of help them sweep that sort of bullpen problem under the rug a little bit. But, uh, yeah, they, they don't have a lot of margin for error, so maybe it does make them more likely to sort of play in the deeper end of the pool and, and, and make a play for someone like Kimbrel. Well, let's hope. Before we get to a Dodgers rewind and some Dodgers questions, a little bit of injury news on Sunday. Austin Barnes taken out of the game. Russell Martin was put in as Austin was rounding second. Uh, do we have? I know it's a groin injury. Do we have an official statement as to how what the severity of the injury is? No, uh, I'm sure we'll find out today. The Dodgers play. It's Memorial Day as we're recording this in the morning. They play an earlier game. They're back home. They play a five o'clock game instead of seven. Uh, so within a couple hours, we'll, I'm sure we'll know more. Um, it, it sounded like, like groin soreness or whatever. Dave Roberts said after the game that they, they weren't sure or he just didn't say, speak to the severity of it. Um, but it, it sure sounds like something that's, that could be a DL situation. Like I said, we'll find out Monday. The speculation is, and we've talked about this before. I know they brought up Rocky Gale a couple times. Um, but like, we, we said, like, if Barnes is out and their, like, main 
catchers out there, they don't want to run Russell Martin into the ground, and they certainly aren't going to – they don't want to play like Rocky Gale a ton to the point where he's, like, batting a lot. You know, all due respect, obviously, to Rocky Gale. But um, so the, the, it seems like the logical choice here is Will Smith. He's not on the 40-man, but that's an easy add. We talked about Tony Cicone really? earlier. Yeah, I had no idea yeah. Will Smith might be coming up. Yeah, you know it is. I just was making Will Smith jokes. Started the yeah. podcast that way. Um, so like Tony Singrani, right? Like his, um, he's on the ten day DL. He could easily be placed on the sixty day DL, and it doesn't matter at all because he's not even ready or close to ready anyway, and it doesn't affect his timetable because it just backdates to the beginning of the year, and the sixty days are already up basically this week. So. That's an easy add in terms of adding him to the 40-man. Um, Will Smith has actually been hitting uh, in AAA, uh, 290, 404, 551. Um, the last uh, 15 games, it's been even better, like 396, 492, 774 with five home runs. So he has been uh, hitting a ton. It seems like they, they like him defensively. They brought him up last September, not even to play. Like, they didn't, like, like call him up. They just had him with the team to basically just, like, sort of absorb things and get acquainted. So they're, cer- they're certainly, like, high on him. Um, so I think it's a matter of just I, – I think if, if Barnes does go down, it's going to be Will Smith. Um, so And uh, yeah. I think Blue LA is reporting that – it's a done deal. It's not confirmed by the team yet, but right. it seems like a thing that's going to happen. Uh, the, what's exciting about this to me, Eric, is you and I have a bet on who hits the next Dodger home run. Yeah. And I picked Matt Beattie. And you Man, picked he came Will. close. I, like, oh my, yeah. like a foot. <laughs> but you have Will Smith, if I recall correctly. I, yeah, that's true. And, so, and honestly, even as I picked that, like I did not expect it to be this soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and like, like I said, we don't know if he's coming up. He, like by the time this pop, it's always fun to talk about this stuff on a Monday for news. Yes. that's going to happen later Monday because <laughs> it's already old by the time it's out. But like, yeah, uh, uh, it's very possible he'll be up and I think he'll do pretty well. Like they, they, you know, uh, Robert, Dave Roberts said, I think he was last year. Uh, he's ready defensively to play in the majors right now. And there's certainly like corroborating evidence to that effect. The one thing I'll say, I was looking at this. I don't know. A lot of times stolen base numbers against a team are on the pitcher, not necessarily the catcher. But, man, um, Will Smith has caught 30 games for OKC this year. Mm-hmm. He, the, he's given up, not, you know, the team, when he's catching, 41 steals in 51 attempts. That's a ton of attempts. Like, so – is it just that the pitching is bad to where they're just getting run on all the time and the catchers have no like recourse? Um, Oklahoma city's played 48 games. So uh, there's been other catchers. Most it's Rocky Gale. And um, Oh man, I, I think Josh toll uh, Tolley, I think is the other one. Um, in the other 18 games, uh, it's been 13 steals and eight uh, caught stealing. So Rocky Gale's actually really good. He's, he's caught like, uh, seven out of 15 or something. But um, so they don't run as often against those other catchers. So maybe, maybe there is something to Will Smith or maybe he's just catching the most stolen base prone. I don't really know, 
But that's something to watch um, because Dodgers pitchers, for the most part, are very good uh, uh, against holding runners, especially like Kershaw and Ryu. Like they, they don't give up a lot of steal attempts. Um, so maybe that can be mitigated in the majors. But that's something I was I was looking at that. And it stood out to me. That's that seemed like a lot of stolen bases to allow, especially 30 games into a season. Um, but yeah, so it seems like Will Smith would be the logical call up. We'll, we'll find out uh, later today. Oh, so the, the, the other, I guess, uh, corroborating evidence for this, he did the Oklahoma City play Sunday night. He did not catch. Uh, Oklahoma City plays a doubleheader Monday. He is not catching in the first game. So by all, in, in a normal situation, um, you know, he could very well be catching the second game. But, you know, it's it maybe more likely that he's not um, – He's not catching at all because he's gonna, he's basically in LA at this point. So, like I said, we'll we'll find out like um, you know later today. So we have a, a bevy of email questions to get to, but I think you wanted to do the Dodgers rewind now. So I'm gonna let you do it, and I'm excited yeah. for this one. I see the name. I'm gonna you know yeah, what? I'm gonna well, I'm gonna open a nice little Lacroix, sit back, and just listen to you for a little bit. So you know, normally these. Um, uh, these sort of reviews, they're, they're like of older players and like who were most likely playing before you were born. So I decided to give you one in your wheelhouse today. Uh, I appreciate it. And, it. and it was more like, it's not like I'm necessarily doing like a favor. It just kind of worked out this way. Um, but this week is Jamie Carroll. Um, so he, he signed a two-year deal with the Dodgers. He was one of those like Ned Coletta utility man specials. Um 2010, 2011, perfectly, like, um, great, like, utility-type player. Um, he was a perfectly league-average hitter with the Dodgers in his two years. His, his OPS plus in 2010 was 100. In, in 2011, it was 99. So he's, like, a league-average hitter who played shortstop and second base mostly, played a little bit of third, and I think five games in left. So basically the, the guy you want, like, playing all over, um, won't hurt you. Uh, and is a is a league average hitter, so like that's valuable no matter what area you're in. Uh, he was very good, but so the reason he came up is because um, uh, so this month the Dodgers uh, we talked about Cody Bellinger on pace for 21 steals. He <clears throat> Cody Bellinger got caught stealing on April 21st. He is the last Dodger to get caught stealing this year. Um, they are 13 for 13 since that. Uh, in May alone, they're 12 uh, for 12 in steal attempts. Uh, in Dodger history, I think caught stealing, I don't remember the exact year it became an actual stat. They used to just not keep track of um, caught stealing. So it was just like stolen bases and then that's it. There was no like mark for uh, getting caught stealing. So until like the 1940s i forget exactly the year but in that time since then there's only been one month where the dodgers did not get caught stealing and that was april 1957 when they were in brooklyn and they they were four for four in steals in and uh, the se the season used to start later back then so it was an 11 game month so this is like a pretty pretty big deal if the dodgers were able to um they have five more games this month, uh, so if they don't get caught stealing, they'll they'll sort of have like uh, a franchise first in a way. So I but, have. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So the reason it came up with um, Jamie Carroll is because 
uh, in 2011, uh, he was 10 for 10 in steals. And um, since caught stealing became an official statistic uh, with the Dodgers, he has the most steals of any season without getting caught. So Matt Kemp in 2013 was 9 for 9 right behind him. Um, so Carroll was always good uh, in terms of like just sort of a percentage type base dealer. Um, he, in two years with the Dodgers, he was 12 for 12 for 16 in the other year. So he was 22 steals, four caught stealings, 84.6 percentage, very, very solid, uh, slightly higher than Davey Lopes, who's the Dodgers all time steal leader. Um, or, um, excuse, uh, excuse me. But since the, um, I I guess he's behind, uh, Maury Wills, but, um, in terms of stolen base percentage, minimum 20 attempts. There are four players with a higher stolen base percentage in Dodger history than Jamie Carroll. Can you name any of them? With minimum 20? No, no. Min- <laughs> How yeah. many should I actually be able to name? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so I will say one One is in the Jacob Birch era. Okay. <laughs> um, the other... The all the the other three were all they've all played with the Dodgers in your lifetime. <laughs> in my lifetime, that that doesn't necessarily help. It, uh, it kind of well. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to think of who the. It's so tough, right? Because you just I'm thinking of steel guys, but twenty is not a lot. <laughs> so it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it, it could be. Yeah, like it could be just some uh, lumber. I will say none of these guys are lumberers. They're, okay, they're guys. You would expect to steal bases. So, uh, all right, I'm going to name a couple of names, and yeah. then if I get any right, I'll keep going. But if I get both of these wrong, I'm off it. Uh, Juan right. Pierre. No. Okay. Rafael Furcal. Nope. All right, just tell me then. Okay, so the Jacob Birch era member of this is Kenny Lofton. He is third uh, in third place. Um, but the number one all-time talked uh, a lot about Kenny Lofton percentage. last weekend. Uh, can I do it a little little tangent? Yeah, Kenny Lofton is the uncle of Cyric Lofton, uh, actor who played Jake Sisko in Deep Space Nine, which I have been doing a rewatch of with my father. And got a talk. We just watched the episode "Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite," which is the baseball episode, as I call it, my favorite sort of silly episode. So, uh, on the episode the two of the characters may wear a Braves hat and a Giants hat, two of Kenny's team. So nice. there you go. Little, little Star Trek baseball trivia. So who, who else did I miss? Okay. So the number one uh, player on the list was Eric Davis. Uh, he stole 52 bases and was caught only six times with the Dodgers. So uh, very good. They're just shy of 90%. Um, the one in between, um, Davis and Lofton is Kurt Gibson, who yeah. is known for non-stolen base stuff in Dodger history. He won an MVP, as you might recall. Oh, um, what year? Uh, forget. <laughs> um, but and then, and then, legend Roger Cedeno is the. I should have guessed the, Roger. Should have like that. I should because that is a Ken Griffey Jr. '64 baseball superstar on the Dodgers. Absolutely should have guessed him. I'm upset. It's always good when like baseball video games come out. You could tell like who the hot prospects are because they have whatever the AI is has them always like develop into greatness. (laughs) And then if you look and then you look back and you're like, well, he didn't really. 
<laughs> uh, but yeah. So Joel it's, it's always fun to, to look back at those. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the other the other thing about J.B. Carroll to end Dodgers Rewind, I guess. Um, when he was with the uh, Rockies in 2007, uh, he hit the sacrifice fly uh, that uh, that scored the winning run uh, when um, Matt Holliday didn't touch home plate uh, at Coors Field. Uh, Rockies Padres, the game 163. Uh, so that was sort of a memorable moment for him. But yeah, Jamie Carroll, two years as a Dodger, uh, pretty memorable, I would say, you know, uh, all, all things considering. So questions anything you want to talk about before we get to questions yeah this came through this is very sad news um i just this morning on monday bill buckner um was a dodger the first part of his career uh he ended up playing 22 seasons in the majors Uh, he passed away this morning he had dementia uh very terrible um he was 69 uh, years old and so he's gone he um was part of the sort of legendary Dodgers like 1968 draft. It, it's widely considered, you know, the best um, draft uh, in like draft history, basically for one team. Um, he was the Dodgers' second round pick that year, so uh, very good. He was the he was in left field, the guy climbing the fence to try to to futilely try to catch Hank Aaron's 715th home run in Atlanta. Um, he was. Certainly, um, most known for uh, unfortunate play where in the World Series uh, in 86, the ball went through his leg, Mookie Wilson, uh, his ground ball, uh, and it led to the winning run scoring for the Mets. And it, it's, in my opinion, it's, it's Vin Scully's best non-Dodgers call in his career. And, like, honestly, it, it might be his best call. Uh, it, the excitement in his voice when he just says, Behind the bag, like that, like, um, and his voice goes up like another octave. He said, "Here comes uh, it gets through Buckner. Here comes nine of the Mets win it." And that little ending part uh, uh, when Scully says that uh, is so great. It's a great call by Scully. He has the requisite sort of silence when he lets the crowd speak for itself. But very sad moment um, for uh, you know for Bill Buckner, and it's shame that he was sort of remembered for that because he was a very good hitter um, for like two decades uh, in baseball. And that's what he should be known for. And he, he dealt with that um, as well as he could have, I guess uh, just sad, but yeah, sad that he passed away. Um, very notable in uh, Dodgers history. So uh, prayers to his family. Well, hate to follow that, but we have to follow right, that. Right. So first question uh, is an email from Sissy Tran, who only emails you. Very popular. <laughs> so the uh, the question is, who are a few of your favorite Dodger players to arrive via Roll 5, and how did their respective seasons pan out? Like, the, the thing with this question is, there just aren't that many. Like, um, they're, like, famous Roll 5 um, picks, um, like, you know, Santana, um, was and probably I'm, the and I'm going off the current Rule Five because there right. are the old Rule Five was weird and you could actually get really good players. We talked about well, this like, a little bit ago. The Dodgers lost. The Dodgers lost Roberto Clemente, for instance. Yes, in the Rule that's 5 who I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, and so like that's part of it. But like um, their most famous one they lost in the modern version of it, I guess, is probably Shane Victorino. Um, 
Is that and a loss? The, the weird thing is they lost him to the Padres, and then he ended up going to the Phillies later. Um, but yeah, so um, they they just don't have very many that like stick, you know. Um, DJ Holton in two thousand five yeah, was who, probably that, like. I have fond memories of DJ. Yeah, uh, the my my favorite I think. Well, okay, so I like I am partial to Seth Rosine. Um, even though he only lasted like a weekend, he lasted the Australia trip basically. Um, but also because I got to cover him. So that's part of it. Like, um, he, uh, I wrote something on, uh, the winter meetings and the rule five draft this last winter for SB nation. And I, I, I got to talk to Rosine again about his experience because he was unique in that because the Dodgers had the Australia trip in 2014, he was a rule five pick from the Phillies, I believe. Um, and he came over. He made the the Dodgers had a twenty were allowed a twenty eight person roster for the opening series in Australia. So he made that roster, uh, and then uh, was designated for assignment before the domestic opening day, and then ended up making the Rangers opening day roster. Uh, so he made two opening day rosters uh, in one season. So I, as a rookie, I thought that was pretty impressive. So it's sort of a trivial note. So I'm partial to him. That said, I think my favorite uh, Rule 5 guy uh, with the Dodgers is probably Carlos Monasterios. For, uh, I just like uh, in the comment section, we called him Monk. Uh, and uh, he wasn't particularly good, but I, I don't know. I, I had a I was sort of partial to him. So it's, it's probably Monasterios, but DJ Holton's all, all, probably the best. Next up, we have a question from Melissa Hill, also known as my wife. My wife. I knew you would do that. Gave you, gave you a nice little pause. It is not a baseball question. What makes a perfect first date, and how is that different from a perfect date with an existing partner? This, this question seems <laughs> particularly cruel. Um, <laughs> one, it, it, she, I think she's setting you up for something. I uh, Probably. Here. But also, unbeknownst probably to her, I, I'm not exactly a Lothario here, uh, <laughs> going out on all sorts of dates. So, this is this is the wrong crowd to be <laughs> answering this question. Um, look, I'll just say, ideal first date. I don't know. I mean, it's so cliche, but like dinner in a movie. I mean, that's movie pretty is a, like movies a bad first date because you don't get really conversation because you don't talk. Okay, yeah. So it's like, good, I don't oh, think it, I think co- it can be a good third or fourth date. Co- coffee shop and then dinner, or uh, like yeah, what? that. So Melissa and I had a zeroth date that I call it because we only got to talk for forty five minutes because I was forty five minutes late. Uh, I had a flat tire. It's a very fun story. Maybe I'll tell it one day. Uh, but our mm. first date, actually, I, <laughs> this is funny. My first date was dinner in a movie, uh, despite me calling it kind of a bad date. It worked out, especially since <laughs> sure. we had, like I said, we had that sort of zero of date where we actually did get a talk for a while. Uh, my, if you're in LA, my favorite first date is, uh, Ethiopian food. Go to little Ethiopia. It's an interesting kind of cuisine. It's delicious. Um, I always say her name this her name wrong, so I apologize. But I believe it's um, Meals by Gannett. I used to say Janae, and it's not Janae. It's Gannett, I think, or Jeanette. Okay. Um, and it's so you eat with your hands, so it's a really interactive social uh, meal. So it's you get something to talk about if you hit a long conversation because you're doing this really sort of 
interesting kind of cuisine. Um, it's not too expensive. First date should not be too expensive. Um, and it's different because for an existing partner, you should lean in more into what you already really know about each other. You can, if you want, spend a little bit more money. You can, you can be longer than a first date, right? Because you don't have to worry about it going on too long and you don't want it a first date to be tirelessly long. So yeah, that's my answer. Ethiopian food is the perfect first date ice cream. After That sounds pretty good. My ideal uh, first date is someone saying yes. Uh, so there, there you go. Wow. I'm sad now. Why are you making me sad, Eric? I, you know, you don't have reason, reason to be sad. Okay. I just want to say this with, uh, after your first date, when you got, uh, or your zero update, uh, when you had the flat tire, would you say if if we're gonna do the life story of Jacob and Melissa, would it just can I call it love to spare? Yes, only you though. <laughs> that would be the subtitle. <laughs> that when so when this premieres on the Hallmark Channel, uh, that just know that's gonna be the title. I'm excited. You ready for some questions from Craig? Absolutely. You sure you don't want to talk to me about this draft? Don't don't send us dating questions. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I I I'd like to think I I can provide some dating advice. I did a I did a lot of it. I did a lot of failing at it for a while. So I like to think I didn't fail with Melissa. I'll nod politely. Okay. You want to talk to me about this draft? You sent me a note. Oh yeah. So we were talking about Bill Buckner, uh, the legendary sort of 1968 draft. so he was this Dodgers second round pick. The first round pick that year was Bobby Valentine. And he was always like the highly sought after. He ended up getting hurt and really not fulfilling much. And he was traded away. But um, obviously it made a name for himself as a manager later on. Certainly a, a historical figure in baseball. Uh, the Dodgers in that draft in June also drafted Joe Ferguson, who was their sort of backup or uh, catcher uh, or like part-time catcher for a decade. Uh, Doyle Alexander. Um, who went on to pitch two decades. He was actually traded uh, from the Dodgers for Frank Robinson in a big trade. Um, And then later in his career, at the bookend, he was also traded as an older player um, uh, for um, John Smoltz. So it's very, um, very, very unique career. But also the draft was weird back then. In addition to the normal June draft, which we have now, they also had a January draft, a January secondary draft, um, and then also like a June secondary draft. Uh, So they were like, they're just drafting players like willy-nilly back then. But the Dodgers in 1968, in the the January secondary phase draft, also nabbed a player named Davey Lopes. In the June secondary draft, they also drafted Steve Garvey. So they basically like drafted like the formation of like a team that would go to a three World Series um, in the 1970s in that 1968 draft. So it was a legendary draft, um, and Bill Buckner was certainly a part of it. And now let's end in the, the I almost said evening morning. Let's end the afternoon with some questions from Craig. Sure. I guess I assume our listeners always listen to this at night, which is probably wrong. They're stuck in traffic on their way home. How about that? First question is for you. Trivia question for you. Two-parter. The Mets are in town to start a four-game series. Can you answer these two questions? Can you name the top four Met career home run hitters against the Dodgers? 
So the Dodgers are playing the Mets for four games this week, including mm-hmm. starting Memorial Day. Actually, we get a good, by the time this comes out, it'll be over, but uh, Kershaw versus DeGrom on Monday night. That's a great pitching matchup. Um, uh, that's just me stalling. Um, I know. I have hints, so I, I, Craig, I should say, has hints for the Met hitters. Okay, so he did he ask for the top four? Top four. Met, Mets against the Dodgers. Okay, so I just, I'll walk you through my thought process on this. Okay. Um, they don't, back in the older days, they played, the, um, there were fewer teams, so they, and they played teams in the other division more. Like now, they only play the Mets like two series a year. Back in like the 80s, it was they played the NL East 12 games each a year. So I'm leaning toward like that era. Like it's probably, I mean, the Mets were only in existence from 62 on. Uh, so like we're talking 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, so that's sort of my base for this. So I have to say right off the bat, Daryl Strawberry is the first name that came to mind. Nope. God, this is ridiculous. Okay. Um, then I'm going to give I would, two more guesses and then I'm going in the hints. Well, I'm going in the same. Howard Johnson would be another guess. Nope. Um, is it Mike Piazza? Nope. That would be funny if it was. All right. So you, okay, you're I, I need hints. Uh, I was going to say David Wright player, is a guy, by the way. The first player you probably saw during the 80s. The second player is the subject of a famous tirade. <laughs> And the two players who were tied for third, one hit 50 home runs between Millie Mays and Cecil Fielder, and the other is known for getting paid. Okay, so George Foster and Bobby Bonilla are the last two. You are correct. Uh, I went, I didn't think about Foster because I didn't think he played for them that long. Uh, so the famous tirade. Um, wow. What was the first hit? Again? Oh, 80s? Okay. Um. Wow. Uh, was it Gary Carter? Mm-mm. Kevin McReynolds? Yes. Okay, he, I 80s. almost guessed him after Howard Johnson. Okay, so the other one is a tirade. Hmm. I'm going to uh, give you a hint. Specifically, a Lasorda tirade. Oh, Dave Kingman. There you go. Okay. I, another thing, like, I didn't think he played for the Mets long enough to warrant that. So, all right. Uh, that's good. The last question, like uh, the second excuse me, the second part of this question, I bet you can guess. Can you name the top three Dodger career home run hitters against the Mets? Okay, so similar thing, you know, figure 60s, 70s, 80s, when they played them more often. <clears throat> that said, Eric Karras is the all-time Dodger homer <laughs> leader, just generally. Yeah, so that's one. Okay, so yeah. Um, well, and then Ron Say was the player he beat, so I would guess Ron Say. Correct. Um, hmm, okay. You have talked about the last player today. Oh. Uh, Mike Piazza? Nope. Perhaps, perhaps in the draft you've been talking a lot about. Oh, Steve Garvey? There you go. Nice, Okay. With Bohemian Rhapsody and the new Elton John movie being released, is there a 70s, 80s musical act or performer that you would like to see a biopic on, and do you prefer the actors singing on their own or just hearing the original recordings? Uh, I think it probably depends on the actor, but I would lean toward the original recordings. 
But if I don't know if the actor's good, that'd be awesome too. Um, man, uh, I, look, I don't. I'm trying to think. Would a YouTube movie be interesting? It probably would, but they're like still. Hmm. <laughs> I my default answer should be Weird Al. <laughs> that would be now. That would be epic. Um, Man, seventies, uh, eighties. If you're talking about like conflict, you have, like the Eagles would be like fun. Um, um, that is a great question. Maybe the police would probably because they had like crazy amount of conflict. Um, this is a great question. I, I just. But just because I like U2 so much, I would probably say U2. But mm-hmm. honestly, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say T-Rex for no other reason than I want to say T-Rex. Nice. If you're a baseball team in Detroit, Kansas City, uh, Chicago, the White Sox version, uh, or Baltimore, would you start selling on June 1st? Um, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think to of what them. assets they have to, because some of these teams, like, it's all about how long you think the rebuild's going to be, right? Right. Because I think the well, I, I think, think the White Sox probably think they might be only two years away as opposed to five, where the Royals kind of are. I just think, in a general standpoint, though, if I think you try to get the bidding war going, so sure. the the earlier you start talking. The, maybe the more teams you can get involved in theory. So like um, you could, if uh, you could go back to another team and say, look, I'm already talking to this team about this guy. What do you, what do you think it would take? Uh, and then you can start getting offers and cause your only goal at that point is to get the most possible return. So I think you, yeah, you probably start selling like, and they're, they know like they're not competing this year. Um, so like, I don't think it affects them from a like fan base standpoint. Um, so yeah, I, I would do it as soon, as soon as possible. Will all six of the current division leaders be in first place on the 4th of July, Independence Day? Uh, <laughs> nice. so that's the Yankees, the Twins, the Astros, the Phillies, the Cubs, and the Dodgers. Um, I, the... I feel like the NL Central and East are too tumultuous. Yeah, the, the other ones, like, I, I trust the Yankees implicitly. Like they've lost like half their team and they're still great. Um, and like the Red Sox are farther back. And while the Rays are good, I think they could be handled at least. Um, so like I'm, I trust the Yankees in that case. Minnesota has been the surprise of the year. Um, but even if they falter, they're still, they have a 10 game lead. So like mm-hmm. they're pretty clearly going to be in first place, but you're right. I, uh, Phillies and the Braves are sort of in a dogfight. They're a game and a half. Cubs and the Brewers are also a game and a half. Uh, the Cubs, I think the Brewers have the best chance to like unseat um, the Cubs, uh, maybe. And then, so, but, hmm. Well, so I'll say no. I think one of one of those two divisions will have a flip um, I, I by agree. July fourth. Maybe more than one. Ooh. The last question, as I think is becoming tradition at this point, is a food question. The other night, I had grilled prawns with a harissa marinade. I really enjoyed them and thought I had never really had harissa before. And neither have I, I think. 
can, can you remember something you ate and thought, wow, what is this? Is it really good? Mm. It is really good. Uh, off the top of my head, uh, I'm trying to think of something that like was like beyond expectations or just sort of a surprise. Uh, it's, I it's, can't think of one. Like, it's been a maybe while, like, but not, been not a while. that long. Um, um, the first time I had sushi, but that was like a lot. I mean, but it's pretty nonspecific. Um, Burnt Ends, which is a Kansas City oh. barbecue delicacy. I can recall the first time. Never heard of them. Had them. Are delicious. You know what? I think oysters. Raw oysters. Okay. Um, I didn't. I, I grew up like pretty like sheltered in terms of like um branching out on things to eat <laughs> like um my see our our version of seafood was mom, my mom maybe occasionally making orange roughy or fish sticks mm-hmm. <laughs> so and, oh, and shrimp we had shrimp cocktail but like still it was like uh you know not adventurous at all that's why i didn't really have sushi till later uh but yeah I don't, the, the idea of oysters was like uh, it might be gross, but man, with uh, with like all sorts of hot sauce and things like that, it's pretty great. So uh, I'm I'm on board. I think oysters that that was a nice like very pleasant um, experience for me, and I, it was it was surprising. And I, I try to get it as whenever I can. Two that come to mind that were older uh, was uh, Chevra goat cheese, specifically goat cheese stuffed squash blossoms. And that would have been ugh, 12, 13 years ago. I first had it and realized what I was having. And then a really old one uh, when I was 17, late late for this story. This story is funny because it was still pretty late in my life. I was 18 at, a, I think, a soup plantation going through the salad bar. And um, growing up, the lettuce we had with our salads was iceberg. Of course it sure. was iceberg. What, what else would you get? So I'm going through and I see this, it's not lettuce, it's dark green leafy things. And I'm like, ah, this will be good lettuce to have on my salad. And I thought it was out of this world good. How could lettuce actually have flavor and actually not be just super crisp? Um, And then I found out it was spinach and I thought it was lying to me because spinach to me came from a can and was really gross. And I hated it. And it made, and it made your major biceps grow huge. Yes. <laughs> Neither of which was happening. Arms, but yeah. it was, turns out I just had never had raw spinach before. And it's now, I think, my favorite leafy green. I I really enjoy um, wilting spinach and putting it in an omelet. Um, I still generally prefer it raw, but I'll give you, give you it. Uh, if, if on occasion I will go to Subway... Um, which is not too often these days, I guess, but like I will, I will get, I will sometimes throw on spinach instead of their pretty gross lettuce. Yeah. Um, I never, I never do lettuce at Subway and I always do spinach. But that said, uh, and I like spinach salad, obviously I love, I still love an iceberg salad. I don't know what it is. Um, it's like not a good a, wedge, a, wedge salad. Yeah. Like, wedges I, I, can be delicious. Don't get me wrong, but it was nice to know there were alternatives in the world. Yeah, no, for sure. That that's pretty good, and it's pretty like, um, it's something you could eat like every day. Like it's, it's that's that's what's best about it. Like it's it's really good, and it's like it, you won't get sick of it. I don't I don't think pretty easily. Well, I was trying to come up with one more Will Smith joke, but I think I went through them all. 
So I didn't realize too uh, uh, that Aladdin has already been out because I haven't been to the theater in a little bit. But uh-huh. uh, it's this is pretty clearly just like um, viral marketing for the film. If they mm, do call smarter you know, them. So yeah, uh, we were talking. I just wanted to add about um, uh, Bill Buckner, like how it's sad, like that. More, most people remember him for the air, uh, the the ball that got between his legs in the World Series, rather than his like pretty stellar like two twenty two year career. And this just, I mean, it's the nature of the business. But like uh, the USA Today like headline on his obituary was, or at least the tweet was, Bill Buckner known for World Series gaffe dies at sixty nine. It's like, oh man, that sucks. You know, like how can that how can that be the defining moment of a guy's life? And it just it sucks, but uh, yeah, RIP to Bill. And that's all we have. So we'll be here next week. The Dodgers are playing a full week this week, so not none of these weird five-game weeks. So we'll have a full slate of games to talk about. Uh, maybe Cody Bellinger will be over 400 again, and we'll, uh, we can keep going with that. One can hope. And yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, enjoy your post-Memorial Day leftovers as you're listening to this, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.